Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Week 3 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. Guys, it was Thursday night football. Did you get in on the action with the Jaguars and the Titans? Not the most marquee of matchups, but it's what the NFL had to offer us. And what the hell are you going to watch on Thursday night anyway? The TV shows haven't started. You still got a week to go before that. So watch Thursday night football, for crying out loud. And, uh, you know, put some money down. Go to mybookie.ag and put some money down. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. So do the smart thing. And if you're going to bet football this year, go with mybookie. We got... You still got a little bit of baseball left for all you fellow sufferers, Cub fans like me watching them piss it all away for the second year uh, in a row. You can bet on whether or not they're actually going to make the playoffs. We got prop bets, fantasy points for football, college, NFL, you name it. And did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? Like if you didn't think porno stash quarterback for the Jaguars was going to be able to pull it off and you bet on the Titans, well, at halftime you could have flipped that Put it on the Jaguars and won your money back. If you, you know, if it looks like you're going to lose, you can always take the other side. And if you're kind of, if the kind of guy like me that likes to bet a little and win a lot, low risk, high reward, then try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year to do so. Join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code Chair to activate the offer. That's promo code Chair, C H. IR. Visit mybookie.ag today. At mybookie, you play, you win, you get paid. This is a very important game for our beloved guys. Week number three, we're going back out on the road. It's Monday Night Football, the national stage where Mitch isn't exactly played his best football thus far uh, in his career, but we have a struggling defensive unit in the Redskins. They're, they're kind of banged up a little bit, not playing up to the expectation. If you guys remember the conversation that we had with our guest Ian Cummings from Riggles Rag over the summer, the defense was going to be that linchpin. It was going to be the, what kind of brought the team together, what they could lean on to help them get through. Well, in the first two games of the year, they've given up 32 and 31 points against the Cowboys and the uh, Eagles. And it could just be what the doctor ordered for our beloved with their struggling offense. Or will the Redskins use the Bears' struggling offense to, uh, to get back and, and, and be the defense they thought they were going to be at the start of the year? It's an interesting thought that makes this, this thing on paper look a lot more interesting than it does. So our good friend Ian Cummings from Riggle Rag is, is here to help us out. It's the week three preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground, so let's get to it. Can our beloved persevere? Can they overcome a second week in a row, go out on the road, and get a victory against a struggling unit in the Washington Redskins? What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back the week three preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. And uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to this game. Not crazy about uh, yet another Sundayless uh, or another bearless Sunday, I should say. Having to wait until I got to go through the weekend, then go to work on Monday. Then I get to come home and watch the Bears play again. So that kind of sucks. But it'll be a short wait between Bears Vikings, uh, only six days instead of seven, uh, to get to them uh, the following Sunday. So silver linings, uh, I guess. But nonetheless, I uh, had an interesting conversation with Ian Cummings, who we had from Riggles Rag uh, over the summer to preview the Redskins uh, back in uh, June, I believe it was. And, um, you know, we, we, we talked a lot about uh, the, the off- Bears' offense versus the Redskins' defense because those were the two units that were supposed to be greatly improved. Or, you know, obviously with the Bears, it was more of a potential thing, hoping that they'd be able to put it all together with a full off season and so on and so forth. The Redskins, however, the defense was the bright shining light that they had last year one of the stats I brought up when when talking to Ian was that if the defense held the opponent to a certain number then they were like six and one or something like that and they were oh and whatever whenever they didn't and that's why you know the defense fell apart because the offense wasn't there to hold them up and the offense thus far has actually been pretty good they put up 27 and 21 points in their first two games however the defense that they thought was going to be their linchpin giving up 32 and 31 points so far uh, in those first two games. So that's the matchup, and that's the question going into it this week. Will the Bears' offense get right against the struggling Redskins' defense, or will the struggling Redskins' defense get right against the struggling Bear offense? I mean, something's got to give here. So it's much like, uh, you know, kind of like uh, last year when the Bears played the, uh, the, the Rams. You got the best defense in football against the best offense in football. Something's got to give. Who's going to bend? Who's going to break? And thankfully for us, our bear defense bend and broke the Redskins, excuse me, the Rams offense to come out on top there. So hopefully that will be the case once again uh, this Monday when the Bears travel out to uh, Maryland to take on those Redskins. And uh, they use that as the like this year's Tampa Bay game. Uh, if you will. I'm not saying Mitch has to go crazy and throw for five touchdowns and 360 uh, or anything like that in the first half like he did last year against the Bucks, but it would be nice to see him have a more steady performance to be able to drop back, find his receivers, read the progressions, hit the wide open man, move the football down the field. And if all else fails, the Redskins thus far have been terrible uh, against their run. They've given up 160 yards rushing per game in the first two games now granted one of those games is against Ezekiel Elliott and then they had the tandem of backs uh from Philadelphia including uh Jordan Howard uh in in week one so they faced some talented backfields in the first couple of weeks but that's also the thing when you look at the Bears and the Redskins you see two teams they're struggling on defense but they played against the Cowboys and Philadelphia two very solid A offensive lines, two very solid B offenses, period, that are prolific in scoring points. The Bears, on the other hand, have been struggling on offense, faced the Green Bay Packers, and a defense that's on the upswing for sure. And then they played the Denver Broncos, a a also talented defense that, uh, you know, so maybe, like I said, that's why people are kind of looking at, could this be the get-back game for the Bears on offense 
against this team in the Redskins that's 30th overall in defense so far in this very uh, short season. So uh, Ian Cummings from Riggles Rag will be on here in just a few moments to help us out with that. Uh, but first, a few news and notes that uh, we want to get to uh, before uh, we get to our uh, before we get to our guest. Uh, number one in the good news section, Eddie Pinero, our beloved kicker, uh, NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. No big surprise uh, there. Three big field goals, including the game winner, as time expired from 53 yards out to push the Bears over the Broncos, 16 to 14 last week three for there are some things that are too good to keep a secret like how your amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip i'd like to check into the centurion lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables Ooh, yum and how you get the most out of select can't miss events with access to the centurion lounge resi priority notified and amex card member benefits at select events You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Three on the field goes, perfect with his extra points. Four for four on the year altogether uh, with his with his field goes uh, thus far. So uh, definitely worthy of the uh, of the accolade, and nice to see him uh, him get it. And of course, somebody out there also had to mention he's the first special teams player to win the award. Since Cody Parkey won it week 11 against the Vikings on Sunday Night Football last year. It's like, thanks, dude. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. But uh, nonetheless, Eddie Pinero resoundingly was uh, the top kicker in the NFL last week and deserves uh, this uh, deserves this award. On the bad news front, uh, we'll have a look at our injury report. The worst news of the names that are on the list, and it's grown a little bit this week, so that is worrisome. But uh, Bilal Nichols has broken his hand. That is the injury that he had to leave the Denver game with uh, last Sunday. Uh, Matt Nagy says he is out for this week against the Redskins, but doesn't think that he'll need to go on IR. In fact, maybe back sooner rather than later with a club on his hand, kind of like what Leonard Floyd was using to start the year last year, playing through the injury uh, while it was healing but have it protected uh, in that club so he won't have he won't be able to use his hand uh, the way he'd like to especially for an interior uh, defensive tackle that could be difficult but he'll have to manage if he wants to be out there on the field and help the Bears uh, on their on the defensive front so he's out uh, for this week uh, status for Minnesota going forward from there uh, will I guess will be a week-to-week thing uh, Trey Burton they're still bringing him along slowly because the Bears had an extra day They don't play until Monday. Today, Thursday, was actually their first day back at practice. So uh, they've only had one day of practice thus far. Trey Burton limited still uh, with the groin injury. They're bringing him along slowly, which is annoying as hell. Eddie Goldman, you you know, if if you noticed, you watched the game on Sunday. Eddie, every now and then you'd see between plays, he was kind of holding his side. So I guess that oblique injury was still bugging him on Sunday. But God bless him, he played through it. He was limited again today with the oblique injury. 
Uh, Eddie Jackson, uh, limited with a shoulder injury. I don't like seeing Eddie on this list. And Kyle Long, uh, limited with a hip injury. I don't think any of those is believed to be serious. On the Redskins side of things, uh, a few more names than the Bears have, but nonetheless, uh, Jonathan Allen, uh, Ian and I talk about him uh, during our conversation, is, has not practiced yet this week with a knee injury. Uh, Quentin Dunbar, a cornerback, also with a knee injury, has not practiced. Colt McCoy, the, the, their backup quarterback, still out with a fibula. He broke his leg at the end of last year, so I guess he's still uh, being nursed back to health, did not practice this week or so far. Casanova McKenzie, now there's a name for you. Uh, hip injury has not practiced yet and Jordan Reed you know I hate to say this but he his is the one name I'm happy to see on this list because that guy the Bears have played against him a few times and he has kicked our ass every single uh, time so the fact that he might be out I hate the reason that he's out it's concussion you never want to see that but if it holds him out for another week I'm all for it because this guy is a bear killer he he killed us uh, I believe even going back to like 2013, he had like three touchdowns in that game or something like that. Uh, when we played him, I think the most recent time in 2016, he was a big catalyst or a big thorn in our side uh, as well. So uh, the the little, the less of Jordan Reed we get to see, I'm in favor of it, uh, no matter the reason. But I hope he gets well soon, especially with the concussion issue. Uh, three guys limited in practice thus far, Fabian Moreau. Uh, with an ankle injury, he's a cornerback. Morgan Moses, uh, I believe he was starting right tackle, was limited with a knee injury. And uh, actually, he was full. Uh, Monte Nicholson, uh, we talk about him for a bit as well, myself and Ian, uh, was full go with a foot injury. So it looks like he's all good to go. So that's your injury report for this week. No Bilal Nichols. Everyone else is limited. We still got Friday and Saturday of practice to uh, – to get through before any kind of fates are determined. But it uh, looks like uh, Bilal is uh, going to be the only one that doesn't make the trip or it won't be playing at the very least on Monday. Interested to see what the Bears do there, if they make any roster moves like Will Abdullah Anderson, who was signed to the practice squad after being let go. Will he be added back to the uh, roster to take the place of uh, uh, Bilal Nichols? But I think maybe that's only a real possibility if – Bilal has to go on IR, you know, but that doesn't sound like he's going to require surgery or anything like that on the hand. It just, it's a clean break. They just need it to heal up. So that's why they're probably going to go with the club here in the near future. One last thing I want to talk about before we get to our conversation with Ian, there's been a lot of, uh, well, from, from the whole Melvin Gordon thing, uh, you have uh, Jalen Ramsey, Minka Fitzpatrick, a lot of unhappy guys that are just flat out asking for trades. We also saw it happen, the whole Antonio Brown saga, which ended with him getting his release from the Raiders, never officially played, or unofficially actually, he never played in preseason uh, for them either. Uh, he gets released from the Raiders and last weekend scores a touchdown for the New England Patriots because, of course, the Patriots signed him. But, um, you know, it, there came like a big debate amongst Bear fans and Twitter Twitter can be an awesome place. It can also just suck 24-7, uh, depending on the uh, the way the wind blows. And it was kind of annoying looking at all the people saying that we should go after Jalen Ramsey, that we should go after Minka Fitzpatrick. 
and and all the rest of that. And Minka Fitzpatrick was definitely intriguing for for two big reasons. Number one, he is only in year number two of his rookie. He was just drafted last year in 2018. And so he's got, after this season, two years plus his fifth-year option that he would be under team control. So if the Bears could get him for a second-round pick or, or something like that, or, or maybe we've got something that the Dolphins uh, wanted, that would have been an intriguing situation for the Bears because we've got the guy under control for three years for a third-round pick or second-round pick, whatever it would have taken to get him. But with our draft assets being what they are at the moment, we've got the two second-round picks. Thanks to the trade with Oakland, we've got a second-rounder. But we don't have a first-rounder or a third-rounder. And we don't have a fourth-rounder because we use that to move up in the draft to get David Montgomery this year. So we've got two second-rounders, then a fifth, then a sixth. And we might be getting a, p- a compensatory pick in there somewhere. But nonetheless, people still saying, yeah, we should go after Jalen Ramsey. With what? With what? And here's why I don't want Ramsey, because Ramsey is in the fourth year of his contract and the Jaguars picked up his fifth year option, which means his salary is going to go up and he wants more money. And at whose expense do we go get Jalen Ramsey? Number one, we're giving up all of our draft intel or our draft assets, period, to get him if that's the possibility. And we're going to have to get rid of somebody or somebody's not getting paid so we can hang on to Ramsey otherwise we're just renting him for the next two years for the rest of this year and and next year Jalen Ramsey was never an option as far as I guess it would be nice to have one of the top corners in the league on our team I found it much more intriguing to go after Minka Fitzpatrick he'd be a lot cheaper for a lot longer uh you know what I mean and we'd have him under control for three four more years and like it's only week three we'd have him under control for the rest of this season the, the last two years and the fifth-year option. So we'd get almost four full seasons out of him for whatever it would have cost us to trade for him. Unfortunately, the, the Steelers uh, jumped on that, and he is, he is bound. He's going to play for the Steelers this weekend. So that option is gone, and I just think it's unrealistic to think that we would go after Jalen Ramsey because he's got the same problem Melvin Gordon does. You know, Jalen Ramsey is more of a un- disgruntled, unhappy guy that wants out of Jacksonville. But he's got a contract coming up. That's what makes him difficult. Melvin Gordon, on the other hand, when everyone's saying we should go after him, with what? It's like, what are we going to give up to get him, number one? And number two, who are we not going to pay so we can pay him? He's holding out from the Chargers because he wants a new contract. So just you guys got to look at this. You got to bring logic to the table when you start to look at some of these trade scenarios. And I know that we all love Ryan Pace for his aggressiveness and he's never shown a, a, a lack of, uh, you know, balls, quite frankly, to go after something that he wants, whether it be in the draft or going to get a Khalil Mack or, you know, even like when we, uh, we had Eddie Pinero, he was the last man standing. We're still trying to get Kari Vedvik. He's being aggressive in every possible instance that he can to get the guy that he wants to always try to improve this football team. But I think we're asking too much of him in this situation and and to leave us leave the cupboard bare for next year's draft i mean if we go through with a trade for like jalen ramsey the best that we can do is giving up the second rounders for for next season and maybe have to throw in a first rounder for 2021 
I mean, come on, guys. We can't do that. It's not. It's just not possible. So uh, anyway, got to bring more logic to the table. Some of you guys can be so unreasonable. And, and it's also been a lot of fun on, on Bears Twitter land uh, this year for the overwhelming support that Mitch has been getting uh, from people. He hasn't been great, but he's been going up against some good defenses uh, in the first couple of weeks. We know we want to see better, and hopefully we will see it this week uh, against the, uh, the Redskins. Hopefully we can, uh, we can punch down to the Redskins uh, on this one instead of uh, struggling and, and running for his life the way he has been uh, in these first two games. So uh, anyway, that is going to do it for uh, our news and notes. Uh, we're going to go ahead and bring in our friend Ian Cummings from Regal's Rag to preview week number three. Uh, but first, <coughs> remember, guys, promo code CHAIR to double your first deposit at my book. You put in 100, you start with two. You put in 1,000, you got 2,000. Up to $1,000 will double your first deposit with the promo code CHAIR at mybookie.ag uh, today. And, uh, you know, I talked earlier about it, you know, Thursday night football. We got porn stash guy leading the Jaguars to a victory, uh, getting their first uh, win of the year at home. And if you want to get into the old porn stash business, maybe you want to hook up with Blue Chew. That's right. <laughs> want to increase your performance and get that extra confidence in the bedroom? Then listen up, guys. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know it works. You can take them anytime. Day or night, like I'm sure Porn Stash Guy wants to take one now. He's the most popular guy in Jacksonville at the moment. Maybe he doesn't need it, but uh, he may want to, to, to take care of all of his new friends, if you know what I'm saying. On a full or empty stomach, and since they are chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for all our listeners, and I know you guys are just clamoring to take us up on this offer. Visit BlueChew.com right now and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code armchair. If you got any, you got a pen? A-R-M-C-H-A-I-R. Armchair. Just pay $5 shipping. But Larry said it was free. Hey, it's five bucks. You can handle it. Again, that's bluechew.com. B-L-E-U. B excuse me. B-L-U-E. <laughs> C-H-E-W.com. Promo code armchair to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And now to our conversation with our friend Ian Cummings from Riggles Rag to preview week three between the Bears and the Redskins. Week number three has our beloved on the road for the second week in a row, this time heading out to FedEx Field out east in DC, in the D.C. area, anyway. It's not in Washington, D.C. Don't believe the lies. Well, the Bears are playing on Monday Night Football against the Washington Redskins. And back on the show to help us preview this game between the Bears and the Skins, from Riggles Rag, Ian Cummings. Ian, welcome back, man. 
It's great to be back, man. I had a lot of fun with the first one. Going to have a lot of fun with this one, too. Yeah, hopefully we can avoid the disastrous uh, technical difficulties that we had uh, last time. Remember oh, that? That, that, was, uh, that was interesting. That yes, was interesting. indeed. It, 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 it did two things. Number one, it, it caused me to do some, some highly skilled editing to the uh, interview to make it sound seamless and it also literally doubled the amount of time that we talked because <laughs> i think the original interview was just under an hour but it's like after we started basically picking up from where we left off we went from the f adding another 40 minutes to an already 45 minute uh interview so we'll see if we can tighten that up just a little bit uh <laughs> for this one just for the sake of everyone's uh sanity so um we'll see if we can pull that off for you so tell me man uh you're 0-2, but it's two divisional opponents, the, the Cowboys and the Eagles. Outlook at the beginning of the season for winning those games wasn't great to start with. How are you feeling after the 0-2? Like, you thought you might be 0-2 at this point. How are you feeling about being 0-2 at this point? Yeah, in a sense, it's not surprising. Well, I mean, like, like you said, we, we basically thought, you know, those were tough games. I mean, the Eagles... A lot of people, I had them pegged as one of the best teams in the league uh, coming in. And the Cowboys, it, it was predicated on whether Kellen Moore would be a good fit as their offensive coordinator. And he's he has far surpassed expectations so far. Right. He has Prescott playing out of his mind. So not, not too surprising there. I think those are two teams that could really compete the playoffs if they stay healthy. Um, but at the same time, because people, a lot of people like to kind of fall back on that and say, you know, they played some tough competition. I think they'll rebound. I'm not so sure. You know, two truths can coexist at the same time. I've written about this in a few articles recently. But, you know, the Redskins, they haven't had an easy draw. But at the same time, there's there's little factors in their play that makes you think they're not as good as maybe people thought they could be. Uh, there's some serious hindrances to their game. Coaching is a big one. I mean, Jay Gruden, man, they, they got out to a 27 lead uh, by halftime in against Philadelphia. Right. Philly. And then, you know, Jay Gruden, he, he never learns. He took his foot off the gas, uh, and Philadelphia dominated the time of possession in the second half. They scored 32 straight points. And then in the second in the second game against Dallas, you know, this defense, which is supposed to be the bread and butter of this team, supposed to be carrying them to wins, uh, they, they got steamrolled by Dallas. And Greg Minoski didn't make any adjustments, you know. All the, all the bright defensive minds around the league, you know, Vic Fangio, uh, Matt Eberfloss, and Bill Belichick, you know, one, one, of the, one of the most trademark guys. You know, he started out as a defensive coach. You know, the, their, their biggest trade, their best trade is their adaptability. You know, they don't really right. fall into one uh, gutter where they just kind of stick with one thing. Minuski has not shown the ability to do that. He's playing guys out of position. He's playing corners and soft zone on like third and five all you need to do is a comeback route and boom you're across the across the line of separation you know it's it's not a recipe for success and just a really bland defensive scheme and offense that's not versatile and you know it struggles to adapt as well you know the first few plays of the game jay gruden concocts a great game script to start out but once he needs to kind of be flexible and and adapt on the fly it's not pretty. Uh, and so we, we've kind of seen that. This team has some talent, but not enough uh, in the slightest to kind of counteract the coaching deficiencies. So that's they're 0-2. I think they're what their record says they are. They've played some tough teams, but uh, they got a lot of improvements to make if they want to even have a shot at uh, making a rebound in these coming weeks. 
Well, I was watching that week one game closely. I didn't get a chance to to watch it. It wasn't on in my uh, area on on the opening uh, Sunday, but I was watching the the ticker for it and just watching the lead expand there. And and um, you know, I I have this thing about uh, about week one and how you can't put much stock into it because almost inevitably week two has this habit of undoing what you see in week one, like the Ravens fifty nine to ten over. Uh, Miami. Well, that turned out not to be too much of a fluke because they lost forty-three to nothing to New England the yeah. week after that. But you know, other th- upsets that you see in Week One, performances you're not expecting uh, to see, and then you come out Week Number Two, and nothing the same happens. Like where Philly was, uh, you know, was able to charge back and 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 beat you guys uh, Week One. They go on the road and they get beat by Atlanta. Uh, week two so maybe they aren't as you know heavy and mighty as as they thought they were and and things like that so I mean you see it happen all the time so I was wondering was this just a week one performance you got a familiar opponent we know these guys I, I know exactly how to to beat them and you this is the game that you prepare for more than any other on your entire schedule every other game on the schedule you got six days maybe less to get ready for it you could have as much as a month, depending on when you get started in training camp, to get ready for your first opponent. So I was wondering, was this, you know, th- these are as prepared as they can be for week one, and we'll see what happens after that. And then the second half happened, and I started to watch the score go uh, the other way. So what was it that Manuski or Gruden didn't adjust to to let that game get away the way that it did? Because you think a two-score lead – you know, the one of the things we talked about when I had you on the first time was when I looked at your schedules. Like, if your defense holds an opponent under a certain point total, you guys were like six and one or something. Uh, with like, if they kept them under twenty points or something like that. But if your opponent goes over twenty points, you lost every single game. So, what was it that happened or didn't happen, more specifically, that let that first game get away from you guys? Yeah, yeah. I thought that it kind of matched up well with the profile of this team that we came into the season with. You know, we kind of knew who these guys were coming in. Um, I think, you know, Jay Gruden, as as much as people like to harp on him as a head coach, he he, as an offensive mind. You know, I think his play scripts are they can be awful. And we'll we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, for to his credit, he's really good at scheming players open uh, with routes and such in the passing game. And we saw that in the first half. We saw that um that uh, that that play designing uh that that prowess that he has you know with terry mclaurin shot you know you had some underneath routes that were freeing up receivers getting safeties to bite uh creating mismatches really great stuff there and i i think that like you said they had a lot of time to prepare that opening script they wanted to jump out to a lead um in the second half though uh jay gruden he started to kind of depend on the run a little bit, and you know, depending on the run is fine, but you got to run, you got to run at the right times. You know, you can't just say, "Hey, I'm going to mold my offense around the run." Now that I'm up, I'm just going to sit on this lead because then you kill all the momentum that you were building up, and you give the other team a chance to build up their own momentum, and that was basically what happened. And that's that's been a down, that's been a pitfall of Jay Gruden his entire career. You know, he, uh, he had a few runs. Case Keenum uh, started to show his inconsistencies. He missed a wide open deep shot to Terry McLaurin. The offense just couldn't mesh after that, you know, after they kind of sacrificed their own momentum. Philly, meanwhile, you know, they're staying on the field. And Minuski, Minuski, when he when when this team gets a lead, he kind of plays a little safer on defense. You know, mm-hmm. not as aggressive, doesn't really push the envelope as much, and that gives Philly opportunities 
down in the middle to kind of chip away at the field and efficiently move the ball. And, you know, by, by the time they realize, oh, we made a mistake, we got to go back to being aggressive, you're down by 12. And you, there's really nothing left for you to do except get garbage time stats. And I think that's they, – they, Washington's coaching staff really likes to kind of um, kind of declare victory before victory has actually been achieved. You know, um, they'll, they'll try and sit on these leads, like I said, and football is a game of four quarters. You can't yeah. – can't rest on your laurels and think that maybe you'll squeak it out just a little bit you always got to have your foot on the gas pedal you know yeah. you can't play ball control for half of a half of a game you got to try and just you bend their will and you know make that make the opponent submit and Jay Gruden he's always had a habit of doing this uh, so I don't I think that they had a really they had a really great time preparing that opening game script but then uh, Jay Gruden, we've, we've had a lot of time to figure out who he is as a coach. Uh, you know, this is his, I think, sixth year or something. We've had a lot of time to figure out who he is. I, I thought he should have been fired after last year. They kept him around, and now we're seeing the exact same stuff. And I, th- I thought week one kind of resembled that pretty well. You know, they're really good at starting out games, and you see some of that scheming, uh, you know, that scheming mentality that he has. But then ultimately, as the game goes on, the other team is going to be better at adjusting and keeping the opponent on their toes. And that's what we saw. And it, I don't expect that to end anytime soon. I think week one was kind of a good indicator. Yeah, because I was I was wondering what what uh, what happened there when when they had the big lead and it's like, man, maybe Philly's not going to be the super team that everybody said that they were going to be to have, you know, the, the opinion that, you know, was not a the Redskins were not held in high regard going into the year, and here they are in Philadelphia really showing Philly what's what in the first half. You said it was 20, 20 to 7 before the lead started? Yeah. yeah. It was like when I started, it was like 17 to 7. It's like, wow, okay. I was like, you know, and that's when I was wondering, is this a week one thing, or is this the, the whole like, oh, it's a brand new season and everyone's 0-0, so here we go, and the Redskins are going to be good this yeah. year, really handing it to the, to the Eagles in Philadelphia. Yeah, and you know, here's the thing. I think if the Redskins, if their coaches learned, you know, if, if they learned how to implement their strategies more effectively and how to use their personnel more efficiently, I think they could, you know, put up a fight, you know, maybe contend for a wild card spot. They, they, I'm not going to say they're loaded with talent, but I feel like they have enough talent. You know, they've had trouble staying healthy, so that's another thing. But sure. we saw that offense. We saw flashes where, you know, Terry McLaurin is really playing well. Uh, the offensive line has been better than expected pass blocking wise you know case keenum uh you won't hear me singing his praises very often uh skins fans kind of have a habit of extrapolating the stats and oh, oh those stats look pretty we'll, we'll say he's good keenum has five touchdowns zero zero interceptions so far he's been serviceable uh, i was in the camp of start dwayne haskins early get him that experience um and you know he's got more upside more physical ability than case keenum but keenum you know if in the right situation, keep dialing those shots. Maybe they could get more momentum on offense. But um, honestly, so much of it is coaching. And uh, the Redskins are not an overly talented team. But I feel like they have enough talent where they could compete a little bit more if the coaches didn't constantly get in their own way. And it, it's tough. It's just it's the name of the game. There's so many details. If you fall short in one area, it can completely ruin your season. And it's it's tough. But that's just how it is. And it contributes to a lot of wasted talent, and unfortunately, I think that's what we're seeing here in D.C. It is frustrating as a fan to to believe that uh, the wrong guy is at the wheel when it comes to your 
when it comes to your team. If you don't think the, you know, just to throw another analogy in there, the, the wrong guy is captaining the ship, then, you know, it, it's tough to, to sit through. And nothing drives me crazier than watching a team, as you said, take their foot off the gas. You know, they have a lead. They have this opponent that they shouldn't, on paper, they shouldn't be winning this game. They shouldn't be winning it like this, 20-7. to 7. We sh- this, You know, the Eagles are better than this, we sh- but we can't ease up. And that's why, I mean, I've seen it happen year after year in the AFC with the damn Patriots. The, the, the Jaguars game in the AFC title game a couple years ago specifically, they had the Patriots by the throat. They had a lead, and then they eased up on the gas in the second half, and, oh, look, Tom Brady comes back and the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl. When you have a team that's not supposed to be beating or you're not supposed to be beating, you have them beat, you keep beating them. You don't give them a window to come back into the into the football game. The last thing you want to give a team like that is any hope that they can come back. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. Deshaun Jackson, he played wide receiver for the Redskins. Right. 2014-2016 or something like that. Um, he literally said after the game, you know, I was talking with my guys. He's with Philly now. He He's with, back with Philly. He said after the game in an interview, he, he was like, you know, in the locker room at halftime, I was telling my guys, they think they've won over there. I know how it is in that locker room. They think they've won, and they're going to let us right back into it. And he was completely right, you know. And, you know, being aggressive can have its downfalls too. It's a more volatile strategy. You know, you could take those shots and end up going three and out, you know. But uh, I think ultimately you're going to hit on one of those if you know what you're doing schematically. And if you know where you want to go, what area of the defense you want to exploit and you want to be aggressive, I feel like that's a more efficient way of going about things than kind of sitting on your lead saying, all right, we're, we're going to limit the risks, we're going to stay on the ground, and we're going to be predictable. You know, because that right then you give the defense a funnel to just stop you right there. And I mm-hmm. think I think it's ultimately better to be more aggressive. And, you know, if you're not – at this point, the book is written on Jay Gruden. Coaches know what he's going to do, and they know how to kind of exploit his strategies in the second half. And it's not a, it's not a pretty look, uh, for sure. So I, I don't know how, how thin the ice he's standing on is right now, but mm-hmm. I would wager it's pretty thin. We haven't often seen Snyder can a coach midseason, but given how thin the ice was with Gruden coming out of last season, I definitely wouldn't rule it out, especially with the young core that's building. If you want to restart, it's better sooner rather than later. Right. And, you know, there there is a, a, a thin line between staying aggressive and just keeping keep on doing what was working, yeah. you know, kind of thing. You don't have to take the big shots down the field or, or anything like that. You just keep, like you said, that they retired to the run basically in the second half of that first game. Well, let's not do that. Let's keep throwing to Terry McLaren, who was apparently a rookie sensation, you know, that, that you were excited about him when we were talking uh, over the summer. And here he is, he's producing out of the gates right away. One of the reasons that I'm, I'm, I'm worried that this could be a trap game for the bears in a sense, Um, because our offense isn't doing what we need it to do, you know, put points on the board and Jay Gruden is a kind of a jump out fast, or at least, you know, the first 15 plays, he's a genius. And with the way that our offense has been performing, if you guys come out of the gates and score 14 points right off the bat, 
Will that be too much for us to overcome with the way our offense has been playing the first two games? And you know, despite the fact that we're playing a team that's given up over thirty points in each of its first two games, you know, like I said before, the last thing that you want to do is give a team that isn't expected to win hope that they can. Yeah. Yeah, there was an interesting Twitter exchange I was a part of today. Uh, Lake Lewis, he's a reporter in the D.C. area. He's a great guy. He was um, bringing up some stats about the Redskins' defense and the Bears' offense. Both of them are like bottom of the barrel right now. Now, yeah. Obviously, only two games have gone on, so you're looking at those points-per-game averages, those yards-per-game averages. It's only two games. So there's a potential for outliers in there, but I feel like both of those teams, we've kind of seen it be a prevalent prevalent issue uh, from week to week at this point so you can say all right maybe we need to find out how to improve but i feel like there, there's two scenarios that could play out the redskins defense might be what the bears offense needs to kind of break through right. and have a have a good game like the tampa not not quite as polarized polarized as the tampa bay game where trubisky had six touchdowns last year but mm-hmm. um proportionally more productive than what we've seen this year right. um and then on the flip side, you know, the Bears offense, given how, how hard it's been for them to move the ball consistently this, this season, might be what the Redskins defense needs with all their potential to rebound and kind of live up to the expectations that they had. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how these two, these two entities collide. Yeah. Uh, I'm ex- on one hand, I'm excited. Uh, but on the other hand, it's, it's weird to get excited about a bottom, about a, 30th ranked offense and a 30th ranked defense going at it but you know what uh it it is what it is Uh, i think it's a it's an intriguing spectacle i'll say that so as not to play it up yeah well you you brought up the tampa bay game and the intriguing thing about that was going into the game it was pretty much said all along that where this game is going to be won is that tampa bay buccaneers defense offense for the first three games was lights out i mean they went into new orleans and beat the saints week one smoked them you know, yeah. put 48 points on the Saints week one in the Dome. That's insane, you know. And then, f- f- like, follow it up a week later by, I think they beat the Eagles week two or something like that last year. They weren't supposed to beat the Eagles last year. And then, of course, they came up short against uh, the uh, Steelers in week three but had put up, like, 25, 20-something points in the first half. I mean, they hit the ground running in all three of those games. If we can slow them down, then maybe we have a chance to – to beat this team no one expecting Mitch to come out of nowhere throw five touchdown passes in the first half and and for all of a sudden it looked like football made sense to him uh you know in the in that game uh and everything it's really kind of you know kind of the opposite here where we think the game is going to be won between the Bears offense and the Redskins defense whichever one of those units shows up to play football is how this game is going to get won on Monday yeah yeah for sure it's really kind of a uh, it's really just kind of like they've both been equally disappointing. Right, Something's right. got to give at some point, right? You know, and yeah. it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I'd give the edge to the Bears uh, in the coaching department. Sure. Uh, but at the same time, you can't look at what Trubisky's done uh, to this point and say, I'm I'm confident that he can exploit this Redskins defense. Because, you know, the Bears have played, they played the Packers, right? I think the Packers defense is criminally underrated. I think mm-hmm. they've, they've, they made a ton of improvements uh, in the offseason. I think the Broncos, you know, you guys know firsthand how how impressive Vic Fangio is. And now he's over there. He's got some talent. 
on that defense. So I don't think those are pushover units by any means. So, But at the same time, it's kind of like what I was talking about earlier. The Redskins played good teams, but at the same time, there were indicators that they showed individually that kind of showed how they might be um, you know, going under expectations so far. And I think Bears offense qualifies there. But yeah, I'm, I think it's going to be really interesting. Like you, I think you, you summed it up pretty well. Whoever comes to play is going to win. And, uh, you know, the skins have the home field advantage, but that, that doesn't really help them anymore. Fans are kind of disillusioned. Um, uh, away fans have been making a habit of making very, uh, very volume, yeah, voluminous yeah. appearances. So we'll have to see what happens there. But, um, I think these are two teams that really both of them need a spark and, um, only one of them is going to get it on, uh, on Monday. Yeah, I was listening to uh, a buddy of mine um, has a Bears podcast, Locked on Bears, and he had the Locked on Redskins guy on his show uh, today. And he basically said what you just said about the home crowd in Washington. He's like, Redskins fans are basically checked out, like they've had enough, so expect a Bear-heavy crowd on Monday. Like, number one, the Bears fans travel extremely well to begin with. But, you know, don't let us invade a fan base that isn't happy with their team uh, to begin with. I think, like, um, you know, a few years back when we played the Jaguars, it was like 80% Bear fans at that game just because the Jaguars are on, on their consecutive 4-12 and season streak and nobody wants to show up to watch that. So, uh, yeah. you know, but he said it's like Redskins fans have kind of checked out. They've had enough. So expect the Bear fans to dominate uh, the crowds, therefore taking away that, like that home field uh, advantage that most teams in the league enjoy. And he was also talking about, he brought up an str- uh, interesting name, the saying that Josh Norman has been a disappointment, or at least he has been this year. And, you know, what's the story going on with, with Josh Norman? Is he, is he right in that assessment? Um, I would I would say overall, yeah, he's right. You know, you look at Josh Norman's contract, uh, and yeah, sure, then sure. you, you – you kind of juxtapose that with his play. Yeah, he's been a disappointment, but I don't want to pin it all on Norman. He sure, has sure. been, you know, he 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 doesn't have the same quickness that he did um, when he was a little bit younger. He's never been a fast corner. You know, that's never been how he wins. He's a long guy, physical, that likes to make the right reads and kind of close in on guys and really get involved uh, physically in those matchups. He's not one of those guys who can match up one on one and expect him to keep up with a fast receiver. And it's in zone or man. And I feel like Minuski has kind of lined him up in those situations and kind of created mismatches for the offenses there. Um, but I, I kind of do expect Norman to be a, a cap casualty next off season, just because he's not he's not providing the impact that he was paid to provide. You know, the past few years. People would say – some people would say he's never lived up to his contract. Um, I wouldn't quite say that. I mean, you know, in a completely literal sense, yeah. But there there were times with Washington where he was producing, you know. Generating turnovers has been a big thing for him. You know, his, his, his trademarked peanut punch where he, you know, throws his fist in there and gets the ball out and uh, forces fumbles. He, he's really good at doing that. But uh, this year, offenses have been exploiting him. And they know that's a mismatch. They they line guys up to make sure that that they have the speed advantage there. And separation is the name of the game in today's NFL. I think Josh Norman is starting to get phased out a little bit. And it's not all his fault. You know, I feel like there's a situation where you can put him in a better position to succeed, but at the same time, he he is kind of a, a kind of an inefficient defensive back in, in modern football. As much as it, 
you know, you hate to say it because there was a time when he was really, really, really dominant on that side of the ball. A, a short time, albeit just yeah, one yeah. year, really. But uh, that one year was pretty impressive. And it it kind of sucks to see that he's now a punching bag, you know, in the media and stuff. But uh, it, it's kind of a it's an unavoidable situation with Minuski, um not really coaching to player strengths. And then Norman just, you know, he, he's well over 30. That's usually the traditional cliff uh, for corners in terms of their development. So, you know, he, he's he's on the regression path now. So it's really – you can't expect too much from him. Uh, it is what it is, though. I would say he's been a disappointment, but the same can be said for the entire Redskins defense almost. I mean, right. there's, only, there's, there's a couple guys, you know, fifth-round rookie Cole Holcomb. He's been great at linebacker. Monte Nicholson has made some plays at safety. Deron Payne is still great, but – uh, a couple players, they don't make a unit. You've got to have a cohesive unit, especially in today's league. You know, any weakness can be exploited. And right. Josh Norman, as much as as good as he was a long time ago, he is now a weakness, and that's just how it is. Yeah, it's. I think it's uh, it's more difficult to um, like when you have a deep like the Bears, for instance. Uh, not to toot our own horn, but because we ha- we have an All Pro at every level uh, of the defense. What's going to beat the Bears more times than not is a better scheme, more so than better players kind of thing, because we're stacked on the defensive side. So it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's tough when you know that not, not really so much a scheme thing, but if you throw the football again to the guy that's playing against this guy more times than not, you're going to have success. That's difficult. To, that's a difficult reality to face week in and week out. Like If this team's been watching tape, they know they can beat Norman doing this or they can beat Norman doing that or, or anything like that. But, uh, you know, talk to me about the front seven. Cause when I was looking at your defensive stats, cause I don't have the money to pay for game pass and watch the film <laughs> myself. Um, what I noticed two things that kind of stuck out the defense in two games has two sacks and your top leading tacklers are safeties. So, that's a red flag across the board right there. Number one, we're not getting pressure, and our leading tacklers are on the third level. Those are those are usually a recipe for having a bad defense, and lo and behold, you guys are number 30 uh, in the league. What's going on with the front seven outside of Deron Payne? Yeah, yeah, there is a correlation there. I would say that. Um, yeah, and I remember talking with you. That was kind of the, the, um, that was kind of the cherry on top for this yeah. team. yeah. Uh, it was that, you know, that front, as bad as we might be on offense and as bad as our secondary might be and as bad as the coaching might be, at least we've got the front seven to brag about. And now it's like, well, don't even have that. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's interesting, man. Um, I think some of it has to do, some of it's kind of unavoidable. Uh, Jonathan Allen, he kind of tweaked his MCL on week one. So he's, he's kind of out for a little bit. I think mm-hmm. he should be back soon. I don't know about week three. I would err on the side of no for week three, but he could be. I don't know. I, I, I had I haven't had a chance to check the injury report, but um, um, some players have been not really performing up to par. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan wasn't getting much pressure in week one, week two. They played two really good offensive lines, sure, I think, yeah. especially with Montez Sweat, you know, the first round edge across from Kerrigan. A lot of people have been kind of jumping the gun on him, saying, "Oh, he's a bust. He hasn't done anything." Yeah, don't you love that? Yeah, two games into the guy's rookie year, all of a sudden you're ready to show him the door. That's insane. 
Yep, exactly. It's just like people rush to judgment so quickly sometimes. And he played Jason Peters and Tyron Smith. All yeah. right. So <laughs> th- this is not, these are not pushovers over here. Like, let's give him a little bit more time. And, you know, I think he plays against um, Leno. Is yeah. That your left Leno, tackle? Leno's our left tackle. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a good tackle too. He is. So it's just going to be it's just going to be tough for sweat in the early goings but it's kind of good to get him this exposure mm-hmm. against those fundamentally sound guys so we kind of see how they beat him and how he can kind of turn the tables once he gets more nuanced with the the hand motions and such but yeah i mean aside from sweat who is still learning and has had some tough matchups for a rookie and allen who's out i would say everyone else has basically been a disappointment um you know deron Payne, he's been good Nothing really to complain about there. Uh, but as an interior rusher, you need to you need help from your interior, from your buddies on the interior. You know you can't really do it alone unless you're Aaron Donald or Fletcher Cox or whatever. Right. You know, and I think Payne Payne is a budding talent where he could be to that level at some point. But you know you need help from Matt Ioannidis, and Ioannidis hasn't really been as disruptive as he was in the past. Like last year at his peak, Ioannidis was bull rushing David Bakhtiari straight into Aaron Rodgers. You know, like it was impressive, and he hasn't he hasn't had that same pep in his step or that same power uh, in his stance this year. So that's a little concerning. And then the depth on the interior is also a little bit of an issue. Uh, Caleb Brantley, he's a high upside guy. You know, he had some some early round pick hype around him a couple years ago if you remember uh the Mm -hmm. browns ended up snagging him in round six and he's been a project and you know he hasn't really done anything either but at that at that point that low in the depth chart you can't expect too much um really from the main guys um Payne and ionitis and kerrigan you we haven't seen as much pressure as you would like so i don't really know how to fix that it's just like you gotta because i don't know if they're playing sloppy or whatever if they're just not that maybe use more stunts because I know Dallas loves to use stunts and they always get offensive lines confused or whatever. But I think getting Allen back will help eventually when that happens. But um, all around the unit as a whole, it's been a disappointment and you got to find a way to kind of fix it. I think Jim Tomsula can help with that. You know, he, he's been, people have sung his praises for the development of the group, but to start out this season, they haven't lived up to the expectations. So you got to find a way to solve that. And frankly, I don't know. Uh, a lot of it depends on Allen getting healthy. A lot of it depends on Sweat starting to learn the game. And, you know, as much as you might want him to come out of the gate swinging, it, it, it might take some time. So we'll see. But, um, yeah, the, the other guys, the veterans, they got to they gotta get in lockstep. Otherwise, it could be a long season. It also might help uh, Sweat not to have to face Tyron Smith and Jason Peters every single week. So, yeah, you know, that, that could also be what's counteracting your defense is two of the best offensive lines in football to start. Uh, the year, which is what makes this matchup in particular interesting. Uh, yeah. You know, our offensive line did had a horrible night week one. You know, very, very uncharacteristic of them. They gave up five sacks on Trubisky. We, number one, we didn't run the football, but when we did, we weren't as successful uh, or anything uh, like that. Week two, we were a little bit better. Uh, we, well, actually, we were a lot better in pass defense, which was a, a huge relief considering – Bradley Chubb and uh, you know Von Miller who were on the other side of the line uh, from them. They only gave up five pressures, zero sacks in the game, so a vast improvement. Still yeah. struggling to run the football, so that's where you know um, Deron Payne could become a thorn in our side is if he's banging up the interior 
of the offensive line, you know, causing a ruckus there. We might have trouble running the ball again, which could make things difficult all over the place on offense. And as much as Charles Leno has kind of won me over over the years, because I for the longest time I thought like the Bears need to get rid of this guy, and then yeah. Pace gave him a four year extension for thirty eight million dollars. Like, well, I guess he's not going anywhere for a while, you know. And then he played. Then he had the year that he had last year. It was like, oh. Maybe I need to lighten up on this guy because apparently he's doing things and, you know, everybody sucked week one. And the funny thing was the problem week one was the interior as far as, uh, you know, they were getting – actually it was the tackles. And then week two, the tackles were amazing. It was the interior that was struggling with, with the ball. So It's just like have one good week. All yeah, week. exactly. Please, everybody just get together. You're the team. As a former offensive lineman, my old line coach used to say, we are the team within a team. So you guys aren't playing like a team. It's like, you know, the, the interior is taking the week off and the outside guys are doing well and then vice versa. The week after that, we got to figure out how all five of us are going to play together at the same time. So that's, like I said, what makes this intriguing is that, we're not the Cowboys or the Eagles up front. It's a good offensive line, but it's not two of the best. Like you could argue Philly and Dallas are one and two as far as offensive lines uh, in football. The Bears aren't in that class, at least not yet uh, anyway. So that's what that's where, you know, little beat of sweat comes down the side when we start thinking about, you know, is this the matchup that the Redskins need to get on their way or is this the matchup the Bears need to get on there? So that's what makes this so uh, intriguing, even though on paper the Bears are favored on the road again, uh, t- you know, to beat the Redskins, it should be a quote unquote easier game for them. But there are certain things like their performance in the first two weeks, plus the whole, you know, who wants to be zero and three kind of thing. It's national TV, it's Monday Night Football. Everybody's going to be watching. We need to step it up, and you know, funny things happen when teams get backed into a corner like that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we can we can go we can go analyze every little detail of the entire game, you know, probably going to come up with the same uh, conclusion. But at the end of the day, you can also just kind of step back and say one of these teams needs a get right game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the Redskins need to get right. They haven't been playing well. Uh, the Bears need to get right. You know, the offense has been anemic. And, you know, someone's got Something's got to give us said it earlier. I'll say it again. But these are two teams who need a change of pace and is it going to happen or are they is the gridlock going to ensue further in dc you know we're going to have a low scoring game i don't know i'm I'm excited to see you know because on paper the bears offensive line i feel like they could be you know they could kind of challenge into that upper echelon but yeah yeah sounds like because you know you got cody Whitehair. i'm a huge fan of cody Whitehair. Mm. Uh, you know kyle long james daniels these are not these are not guys that are you know these these are guys that have the traits have the tools and it's just it just hasn't been working so far so yeah i'm, I'm excited to see you know it's going to be interesting because the redskins defensive line also hasn't really amounted to the expectations so it's kind of like it, it's it's a battle to see who can get there first right will anyone get there on monday right. you know, <laughs> under under the lights i guess we, we're gonna have to find out you know i'm I would hope that someone does. It would make it a lot more exciting to watch. Certainly, yeah. So you never can tell. Right, and the conversation keeps circling back to that matchup. Let's talk about the one that we haven't talked about yet is our our defense versus your offense. Now, you guys have scored 24 points, or you're averaging 24 points, or 27 against Philly, 21 uh, against the Cowboys. That is a lot more than the Bears have given up 
uh, so far because the defense is the one thing that is playing that is as expected coming into the season. You know, you don't hold Aaron Rodgers to 10 points, 47 yards rushing, and sack him five times and lose. How does that happen? Bear fans were having a meltdown after that game. <laughs> How do you do that to Rodgers and lose? How does that happen? Well, the offense comes out, and you, you, get, you have no rhythm. You get sacked five times. You refuse to run the football for the last 20 minutes of the second half. That's a real stat. <laughs> Nagy called five running plays in the second half all early in the third quarter, and then it was 30 passes to finish the game in a one-score game. One-score game, that's what he did. It's like, okay, let's not do that again. And then <laughs> we come out running and running and then running some more uh, against the Broncos, but still can't quite get that, that rhythm going. But, um, you know, the defense, on the other hand, they got after Flacco. They obviously got way after Rodgers and and everything we finally got a turnover last week with the Flacco you know we've given up 10 and 14 points in the first two games of the year how is the offense I mean is the offense 24 points a game good is there because I know it's not all garbage points as far as the first game is concerned but what about that second one against the Cowboys is that a legit 21 points or is that it was 31 to 7 and then we got two two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to wrap it up and make it look better yeah, I mean, I would just say this offense is kind of inconsistent. Like, okay. <laughs> you know, they, were up, they were up 27, uh, and then Eagles scored 32 straight, you know. And then week in week two, I think the Cowboys always, they for almost the entire game, really. Uh, you know, the Redskins got out to a 7-0 lead early, and then from then on, the Cowboys kind of shot ahead, and they had a really sizable cushion. Okay. I think by, it, with, like, two minutes left, it was 31-14 Cowboys, mm-hmm. and then they got a touchdown to – Trey Quinn to make it 21. Uh, Trey Quinn, Trey Quinn season over here, um, but um, I would say it's an inconsistent offense. You you don't really know what you're gonna get oh, early boy. on in the game. You know the Redskins have done a nice job of jumping out to leads. Like I said, 20 to seven, uh, they got the first touchdown in Dallas, uh, courtesy of a turnover on defense. But I would say the Bears, if you get pressure, you know Case Keenum is not great under pressure. That's mm-hmm. that's one thing that you guys might have learned when he was with the Vikings. You know they, sure. that. He, he struggles under pressure. It, it makes his game more volatile. And he doesn't have the traits to kind of bail himself out there. Like you see some guys, they have the arm talent, the athleticism to roll out and make those throws. But Keenum doesn't have either really. So it's kind of interesting if you can make him uncomfortable. And I think the Bears have a good shot to do that. I mean, is Mac on the right? Is he rushing the right tackles or the left tackles? I, I forget. Generally, he's coming from the offensive right side. That's where he usually comes from. But uh, Fangio like to move him around, and so does Pagano. So it's it's not a you know he's our left outside linebacker coming off the right side. They do move him around, but more times than not, he's lined up over the uh, over the right tackle. Yeah, yeah, and like e- either way, I mean Donald Penn, he's been he's been good actually for a fill-in left tackle while Trent Williams is out. Um, right. He's uh, he's old. He's not very mobile. I feel like Matt could get the best of that. And then on the right side, Morgan Moses, I think, has actually been worse than Penn, surprisingly. You know, oh, the, incumb- the incumbent starter at right tackle, yeah, he's been he's been getting picked on with penalties, and he's just been inconsistent with his hands and everything. It's not not a good situation. And if I'm not mistaken, Leonard Floyd has been starting to break out this season. He yeah. had two sacks in week one or whatever, and he's got all the athletic traits too. Well, you talked about um, uh, one of your pass rushers backing Bakhtiari into uh, Aaron Rodgers at one point. Yeah. 
he did that to Bakhtiari week one. Like literally oh. got that that one arm underneath him and pushed him right back into Rogers and and got him. I you think know? I saw. That. Yeah, that was super impressive. I mean, everyone's always kind of talked about like the hang up on Floyd was the guy's like two fifty soaking wet. It's like he's he's got to put some, you know. And the guy, and he's one of those freaks. And I hate him because I'm a fat guy. I can't put any weight on. I can't put any weight on. I can't. You suck. Okay. I I look at a bag of Doritos. I gain ten pounds. Screw this guy. You know what I'm saying? And but it's like everyone's. T- you know, if you weigh two fifty and you're going against Bakhtiari, who was easy three thirty and a horse on top of that, and yet he got into him and bull rushed him right into uh, Rogers. It was like, oh, so apparently Leonard Floyd spent his off season in the weight room because he couldn't do that before, and here yeah. he was doing it to the, one of the best laugh tackles um, in football. So that, like, I was like, ooh, Leonard Floyd might be for real now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That was, um, you know, I was – Back in draft season, when you know the skins, we knew they were going to get an edge rusher. I was yeah. camp Brian Burns. Um, okay. I, I wanted him. I would have preferred him over Sweat. But then people will say like, "Oh, he's he, he kind of reminds me of Leonard Floyd." You know, at this point, I would very much like Leonard Floyd. <laughs> you know, thank <laughs> you. So, you know, I think and the Bears, the interior is good too. I mean, Akeem Hicks, he he really doesn't get his due. He's one of the better defensive interior linemen in the league, and then. Yeah. Roy Robertson Harris, that guy's like what six six. He's a beast eight. for sure. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's huge, man. So that's 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 not a that's that's a good lineup. That's a good lineup, and I think you know it's it's going to be tough for the Redskins offensive line to hold up against them. I think they can though. It's really interesting. The yeah. Redskins offensive line, especially pass blocking, they've actually been pretty good this season. Eric Flowers, um, they moved him to left guard. He's been you know he was a laughing stock coming out of New York. He's yeah. actually. He's actually been one of their better linemen. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah, really violent with his hands. Uh, he's just been. It, it's kind of. It's it's a storyline that's gone under the radar, but he has really held his own. Uh, I think the right side has actually had more trouble. Brandon Sheriff has still been great. Uh, Morgan Moses, he's had some some issues. So, uh, I think pass blocking that'll be really interesting to see because that's kind of been the specialty of the Redskins line this this off this season. But at the same time, the Bears line is just getting a ton of pressure. Um, I think Roquan Smith is going to give a lot of trouble to the Redskins, especially if Jordan Reed isn't in covering tight covering mm-hmm. tight ends. You know, I don't. Vernon Davis, he he's good, but some I don't I don't expect him to win that matchup and then the secondary uh you got eddie jackson how's he doing this year is he is he still making plays on the ball and whatever uh hasn't had one of his first super special how the hell did he do that place yet but he's he's definitely man on the spot for he seems to always be uh around the ball like if if it if that's his area to cover when that receiver god forbid if he does catch it eddie jackson is there to bring him down immediately there's it's very seldom that you know it's one on one and Eddie Jackson uh misses the tackle or, or or things like that. He's he's still top flight so far and the jury's kind of out on Ha Clinton Dix uh so far, you know, haven't really seen him make good plays or bad so far, you know, like or like oh what an amazing play by Ha Clinton Dix or anything like that. The one thing I did notice about Ha Clinton Dix is that the one touchdown drive that the Packers had they took advantage of him not being on the field. Like, he wasn't on the field. His backup, Deion Bush, was in there, and that's who got beat for the big play that set up the touchdown and so on. So huh, that's okay. a positive in his, in his area. When he wasn't on the field, things were happening against us. So, 
Yeah. Who knows? That's kind of what uh, happened in week two with the Redskins. Monte Nicholson kind of came off the field at free safety, and he was out for a good portion of the second and third and fourth quarters. And uh, I think he came back at the very end of the game. But, you know, during that time, the Cowboys really had an easy time going up against the Shazer Everett. So, yeah, it makes a difference. I hope Paha works out for you guys. He, he too, did not work out here. But, um, you know, looking at how, how much trouble uh, Greg Minuski's scheme has been on defense – that could have played a part into it, I, I think. But I think ultimately, um, you, going back to that mat, the matchup at hand, you know, the Bears secondary and the Redskins receivers. The Redskins receivers, I think, you know, people didn't really give this group a lot of hype, but I, I think they've been one of the more impressive, uh, one of the more, uh, they, they've kind of exceeded their expectations. The, Trey Quinn, um, Paul Richardson, and then obviously the headliner, Terry McLaurin, these are all guys that have the speed to gain separation and get open with route nuance. And they've, they've been getting open a lot uh, this season. I think Case Keenum has kind of, in some respect, Keenum has, you know, took, taken advantage of those opportunities. He's taken shots. He's also limited them a little bit. There were some reads he just flat out missed last game. So whenever you have Keenum as your quarterback, you're not going to be able to do as much as you want to do. But I think these guys can get open. Uh, but the Bears corners are all guys who are pretty mobile too. So that's going to be an interesting matchup to see. You know, who, who it's a give and take. You know, who's yeah. gonna who's gonna break out? So we'll see. Uh, Terry McLaurin is on a torrid pace right now. He's got ten receptions for 187 yards, two touchdowns through two games. I think he's the first rookie receiver to catch a touchdown in his first two games since Calvin Johnson. So I don't want to say Terry McLaurin's Calvin Johnson. <laughs> he kind of is. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But um, he he's been playing well. He's been exceeding expectations. So I think that receiving core could give the Bears some trouble if they're not ready. At the same time, though, you get pressure on Case Keenum, uh, he's going to make mistakes, and I think that's what could happen. So we'll see. It, it's got a lot of a lot of complex layers sure. in the situation, uh, but uh, ultimately it, that, that's the recipe for success for the Bears. Right. The, the, the year that the Vikings had um, Keenum was the last year that we didn't have Khalil Mack, so... He hasn't faced him yet, so we'll see how that uh, how that goes. And and you brought up Donald Penn. Um, I was listening to something earlier today that was talking about Donald Penn and reminded everyone Penn and Mac were teammates at Oakland, so that matchup might work for either of them. Considering those guys are very familiar with each other every day in practice, they faced each other more than they faced other teams. So you know that that could be interesting if those two line up against each other. Who's going to have the advantage will it just go to Khalil Mack because he's younger and you know and all that kind of stuff or will it go with the old wily vet because he knows how to how to control someone like a Khalil Mack or has had way more reps against Khalil Mack than anybody else has uh kind of thing so there there are several things like if we go through this with a fine team call we'll be here all night but you know it's like we can find ways that both teams can kind of win these particular uh matchups it's uh and that's what makes football so much fun is that Regardless of what it says on paper, literally anything can happen. Literally anything can happen. So it's uh, that's why I love the game because it it can be so unpredictable and come out of nowhere uh, with things like considering the last thirty one seconds of the Bears Broncos game, for instance. Uh, <laughs> after the first fifty nine minutes and twenty nine seconds, I didn't think we had a chance in hell of driving the field and kicking a game-winning field goal, but that's exactly what happened. And that's what, you know, that's why you watch the game. That's why you watch all 60 minutes because you never know when something like that's going to happen. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really crazy. And going back to week one, you know, the Redskins, if you, if I had been away somewhere and you had told me, Hey, they're up 20 to seven at the half, I would have been like, are you serious? Yeah. Like, you got the wrong game there. You're talking yeah. about Washington Huskies over here. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's crazy. Anything can happen. And teams have so many different strengths and weaknesses. If you draw into one of those a little bit more on, on any given day, it, it can it can lead you to win. I know the Titans in week one, they destroyed the Browns. Yeah. Their defense was really just wrecking them. And then in week two against the Colts, the Colts kind of exploit them a little bit more. And they don't really know what to do. They kind of the inconsistency on offense. It, it, it really football is just so complex and it adapts on a week to week basis. Every team adapts. I think, you know, the you're never going to get absolute consistency, which is why you just got to play off of the factors that are present in the in the present moment and just go. Yeah. With that. And that, that's why I'm ex, I'm excited to see this game because this is a Redskins defense that we thought was going to be great and they're not. Are they going to eventually be great or is that not going to happen? And then, you know, on the, on the flip side, the bears, we saw signs of growth from that offense last season. It's all kind of collapsed in these first few weeks, but will they get back on track? I think right. these are questions that really need to be answered for both teams. And this is an opportunity for both of them to answer those questions or at least build some momentum uh, so in the tougher weeks and the weeks to come, they can kind of carry that over. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm I'm excited, um, but um, I I really hope it lives up to the hype that we're giving it right yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> don't want I don't want to get over there and oh final score nine six. It's like oh okay whatever. <laughs> just wasted three hours. <laughs> we actually had a game like that once. Bears and the Redskins, like week one of two thousand five. Really, it was the Bears and the Redskins. I think they won like. I think they won like nine to seven or something like that. I think that was the final score of week one bears at Redskins. The Redskins beat the bears nine to seven or oh something goodness. like that. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. I'd have to look, I'm pretty sure. I know it was like literally like each team scored like once in the game kind of thing. And it, somehow there was the final score and, uh, and everything. So it was kind of a, a crazy start to the year to have Some that people- game. Be Some people like those defensive standoffs. Not, yeah. not man. I, I'm I'm all about firepower. <laughs> putting okay. those points up. So you were bored to tears week one if you watched the Bears and the Packers then. Oh yeah, yeah. I I didn't have the pleasure of watching it. I was um, I think I was. It was a Thursday night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was I was storm chasing over here. There was there's oh, a really, wow. there was a really nice storm uh, in Michigan, and I was I'm a, I I have a. I've, I really like storms when they come for some reason. So I was taking videos and stuff, but I was checking in on the game because I had David Montgomery in on my fantasy team. And I was oh, like, poor come guy. On, are you serious? Yeah, I know, right? I was like, are you serious? So the next week I benched him for Terry McLaurin and that, that's what happened. But okay. yeah, it was, um, yeah, that would that would have not been a fun viewing experience for me personally. Right. Well, he got you what, like 12 points or off the bench, didn't he, Montgomery? Because he had at least 60-something yards rushing and a touchdown. So that's 12 points right there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I it really it really didn't serve a purpose benching him, but I was like, you know what? <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna try this year. And so That's I, why I don't play fantasy football, man. That's that's why I don't do it. Cause I know, right when you think yeah you, what you're doing, it's just like, Oh nope, changing it up on you. Stuff like that would happen, but the most prevalent thing that happened to me week in and week out was that I was actually really good at fantasy football. I was yeah. good at finding the players. What I was really bad at 
was luck because I also always happened to be playing the one team that could beat me. Oh, you know? yeah. Like, yeah, I would have yeah. won literally every other game <laughs> in the league except the one I was actually in. You know, I played the one guy that had a quarterback that scored 60 points and that pushed him over me, you know, or something like that. That happened to me over and over again because my league was designed. It had 10 teams. The top four made the playoffs. And then the fifth one was whoever the top point scorer was. That was always me. That was always me with like the four and 10 record making it to the playoffs because I averaged 112 points a game or something like that. But I had four wins because I kept playing the one guy in the league who was better than me. It drove me insane. I had to quit. I couldn't do it. I could. It's like I can't be this good and then not have and nothing to show for it year in and year out. So that's, that's had, no excuse, man. Yeah. You, you got to be the best. No. Nah. Yeah, absolutely. You got to be the best. So screw this. I'm the worst every year. What the <laughs> hell with this? I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it anymore. So that's why I don't play fantasy football. I'm more of a pick'em guy yeah. uh, than fantasy yeah. football. So, dude, but. last week I I made my pick'ems on like Thursday. I made all of them, and then I come back the weekend, and my brother texts me like ten minutes before the games. He's like, "Hey, guess who missed? Guess who forgot to do their pick'ems?" I'm like, "Are you serious?" And didn't save. I'm like, "What the heck?" <laughs> Oh, man, I was like, I made my, my all right, it's my dad's pick'em league for yeah. his work, and we're like, okay, we'll do it. And I, I just decided to be kind of funny, so I was like, I'll, I'll name myself first place. I'm not, I'm nowhere near first place right now. So that didn't that's, work out. Yeah, that's always fun. That's always, <laughs> yeah, when you do something like that or future champs or something, name it, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, okay. you're, you're second to last. Good luck with the future champs thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. But uh, Ian, I'm gonna go ahead and 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 let you go, man. This has been fun as always. And uh, where can we uh, keep up with you? Social media. Where can we read the articles? Yeah. So my my Twitter handle, if you guys want to ask me some questions about the game uh, beforehand, is at uh, Ian underscore Cummings underscore nine. Rigos Rag is just straight up at Rigos Rag. Uh, that's where we write. You know, we've got some great content, some great contributors over there. And I want to give my co-expert Jacob Kamenker a shout out. Uh, it's the it's the dynamic it's the dynamic duo over there. Uh, he, we're always putting in work, and he's a he's got a ton of stuff. He, he's writing all the time, man. I, I I don't know. He's a machine. I don't know how he does it, but yeah. um, some some great stuff over there. Uh, so check that out if you want to see some preview. I actually put up the Redskins Bears preview uh, today, so. I won't. I won't make you read it to to find my <laughs> score prediction. Uh, I'm I'm going with Bears 1915. Uh, okay. Kind of a kind of low scoring, but some garbage time points at the end maybe uh, to kind of inflate the the score. But uh, that that's my preview. If you want to read my thoughts, you can go there, and we'll have other stuff too. Uh, Redskins players to watch if you want to study your enemy. But that's that. That's where you can find me. So 1915. That sounds like another heavy Eddie Pinero game. Uh, yes, for the Bears, nineteen—that's four field goals out of Eddie the Pinero. Legend, so the legend continues. Yes, indeed. That that was, yeah. So that was a huge. See, that's the other thing. Real quick, is <laughs> like the, how big that kick was. I talked about it on the review show earlier this week. Was that, you know, it, it's like a, a weight has been lifted. Now, yeah. like we know, we have a kicker that we can depend on. Granted, it was one kick in one game, but that's one thing we didn't get from Cody Parkey last year. You know, Desmond Clark, a former tight end for the Bears, has a Facebook group that I'm lucky enough to be a part of, and he posed the question before the season starts, what do you think any Panero's field goal percentage was? And I chimed in and said, I don't care what it is. I care if he can make the kicks that we need him to make. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like the Bears won a game against Buffalo 41-9. to Cody Parkey had two field goals in that game. But the week before, he missed a game winner against the Dolphins in overtime. Yeah. Okay. He, I'll, I'll let him f- take one of those field goals he made in Buffalo and switch it with the one he missed in Miami. That changes everything. You know, it's, it's a, there's a completely different perspective on, you know, he, had 80, he made 80% of his kicks. Yeah. But he missed the ones that mattered, including the one that lost us the Eagles game, one that would have won us the game in Miami, and so on and so forth. It's all perspective. Uh, as far as that goes. So I don't give a damn if he makes 99% of his kicks or 85% of his kicks. If we're putting him up there at the end of the game and he makes that kick, that's all I care about. Yeah. That's all I care about. Because that's the only thing that kept the Bears from going to the Super Bowl last year was Cody Parkey missing that field goal at the end of the game uh, against Philly last year. So it's just it's that kind of thing. is, um, and, and we know that we have a guy that can do that, and that's why I think that that's why I'm interested in this game. Could it be that we'll act like the team that has had the weight lifted off its shoulders will come out loose and ready to play football because the one thing we've that's been a question mark and literally was the story for the Bears the entire offseason, the whole kicker competition and bringing in 20 guys and all of them dwindled down to the last man standing, and right. we still weren't sold on that guy because we tried to trade for the for what's become a disaster in, in Kari Vedvik. We were... We were the second best bid, and the Vikings outbid us, and they were the one that had to take the lumps instead of us on that one. But we were down to, to Eddie Pinero, and we still tried to make that trade. So we had our guy, and still we weren't sold on him because we tried to trade for somebody else. And in the end, we made the right choice all along. And you know maybe that's something that we don't have to worry about anymore, and we can start playing real football. You know, hey. and that's that's what opened things up to to make this look interesting, and why I'm so interested for a week three monday night game against the redskins yeah because that's that's the it's not the higher pressure but you know on the national stage you're the only game going right. if you if you've got a lineup to make that kick all eyes are on you seven million eyes you know <laughs> you can't you can't miss that you can't miss that because that's the kick people remember yeah so yeah that's uh yeah I'm, I'm a lot more intrigued by this matchup than i think most people would be or at least outside of our circles no redskins and bear fans but you know. I, I'm, I'm i am contractually obligated to be interested <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we'll see how it goes man like i said that's what makes football so great it can be so crazy you know sometimes it's by the numbers and everything goes the way it's supposed to but every now and then you get one of those games where it's like dude how did this happen yeah. how did it go down this way and that's what makes watching the game fun so i mean you see it happen every saturday in college football and every once in a while the nfl will give you one so it's that's what makes it worth paying attention to yes sir so ian thanks so much man uh we'll be in touch and uh, hope to have you back on again real soon yeah man i i hope to be on hopefully the bears play the redskins again next year so we can we can make a regular thing out of this sounds good sounds good want to thank ian cummings once again for uh for coming on the show really enjoyed uh talking to uh talking to him and uh be sure to check out his stuff at rigos rag uh you know follow him on twitter uh as well to uh to keep up with him and uh you know any insight ask him some questions he'll get back to you uh ian's a good guy so um so real quick before we go 
I kind of talked about it briefly uh, at the start of the show about uh, what the possibility for this Monday night could be for our beloved. And uh, the matchup to that that's, you know, that's red hot for anyone who's going into this game or or following this game for the fans of both teams, it has to be the Bears offense versus the Redskins defense. These two struggling units, which one is going to uh which one is going to show up? Which one is going to give uh which one is going to continue to struggle and which one is is going to use this as an opportunity to springboard into success uh you know or into at least positive uh views in in the eyes of their fans and uh you know it, it's it's going to be interesting to to find out because based on the first two games for both units you really don't know what the answer is uh at this point you know what these units are capable of you know who the who where, where the talent is and and uh, uh how success can be had it's just a matter of them going out and executing and basically doing what they have yet to do in this very young season. You know, with the Redskins, especially on defense with their with the the rush defense, over 160 yards rushing they've given up in the first two games of the year. That could be a huge thing for the Bears offense to be able to 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 get David Montgomery, Mike Davis, Tariq Cohen going on the ground and use that as a springboard to open things up in the passing game uh, with the play action, you know, freezing those linebackers, slowing up those those rushers to give him that extra time to be able to find, go through his reads, go through his progressions, find his receivers, make the right throws, stay fundamentally smart, and, you know, do what he hasn't been able to do thus far in the first two games uh, of the season. And I think that's key. The running game is, is where it needs to start for the bears if if the the redskins are struggling somewhere there it is it's it's definitely with the uh the pass game now they've given up big plays uh in excuse me in the rush game they've given up big plays in the pass game uh as well deshaun jackson um beat him for some uh some big plays not sure how it went against the the cowboys as far as how many how they did with the with the big play in, in the passing game uh, and whatnot, but uh, we've got a speedy guy named Taylor Gabriel. Maybe we can get him uh, out in the open and, and uh, you know get a big play going uh, there uh, as well. Hopefully, this will also be a good game for Trey Burton to kind of get back into the uh, into the mix. Or um, I've I've listened to a few Bears podcasts this week that uh, seem to think that uh, you know you, you heard uh, Ian and I talking about the Josh Norman uh, issue. Uh, this year and I and I've heard more than one Redskins analyst on other Bears podcasts saying that they think that Allen Robinson could have a huge game uh, against uh, Josh Norman uh, this week so hopefully that's great hopefully that can happen we can get the offense going that way and we can generate some you know big chunk yardage and get into a rhythm because I think that's the one thing that Nagy keeps talking about with the offense the one thing that we failed to do above all else is get into a rhythm uh, with our offense, I mean, even last year, early on, when we were struggling to score points, we would at least go out there, we'd move the chains, eat up some clock, give the defense a breather uh, kind of thing. So e- even though we weren't putting points on the board with every drive, we were still kind of getting something going within each drive. We didn't go three and out and hand the ball over immediately over and over again like we did uh, last week, which that's something that almost cost us the football game 
uh, against the against the Broncos was the fact that we couldn't get a rhythm going, especially in the second half, and keep our defense off the field, keep them fresh in those uh, unique conditions that they only face every once in a while when we go uh, to Denver. We did the the offense did our defense no favors, and it almost cost us the game uh, last week. So, and one other thing that we need to do as well on the offensive side of the ball is to figure out whatever it is that we're doing that like what Mitch and company did on that last drive. Mitch looked as cool as a cucumber. He was, you know, cool under pressure, especially on that last play, man. The the pocket was collapsing down. He just stepped up, boom, fired a missile uh, to Allen Robinson to get the completion that set up the uh, Eddie Pinero game winner uh, and everything. We need to figure out what we're doing there and bottle it up, and let's do that the entire game. I'm not saying we need to be in a hurry-up offense and, or anything like that. And maybe we need to do something like that. Let's go no huddle and, and get things up-tempo to try to establish a rhythm first thing out of the gates and see what happens kind of thing. What do we have to lose at this point? You know, it really can't get much worse than it's been uh, on offense as far as level of consistency and lack of performance uh, and everything like that. You know, and what makes it more difficult than anything to stomach is that Ryan Pace has really put together an offense of talented players and we're too talented to be playing like the Jay Cutler Bears when our number one receiver was Devin Hester and our number two receiver was Earl Bennett. All due respect, you know, but these guys wouldn't be threes or fours on any other roster. And yet they're ones and twos uh, with the Bears. You know, it's we've he's meticulously gone out he's spent the money in in free agency he's gone and looked for players let's get anthony miller involved let's get anthony or excuse me javon wims anthony uh christ ridley riley ridley get him involved let's get them all involved let's have mitch be one of those guys that completes 12 passes in the first half to eight different receivers or, or something like that let's have the redskins have no idea who mitch is looking at or who's going to get uh, the football, we seem to be just putting the same guys on the field over and over again. Let's take advantage of all these weapons. Let's put them all out there. You know, let's 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 do some of those formations that we were being teased with in the preseason where Davis Cohen and Montgomery are on the field all at the same time. I mean, what's the defense going to do with that? You know, and we've got Robinson and Burton and 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 uh, Gabriel. We got Miller. We got Wims. We got Ridley. You know, we we've got weapons on top of weapons, and it doesn't seem like we're just using the same one over and over again. And that is either David Montgomery or we're throwing it to the same guy in Allen Robinson over and over. And it can't just be because these are the only guys getting open. You know, I, I unfortunately I don't have the access to the All 22, so I can't say that with any great level of certainty. I just know what I'm seeing when I watch the games on Sunday and I'm seeing Mitch try to th- get the ball to the same guy and over and over again. It's kind of like watching uh, Jay Cutler force feed all of his throws to Brandon Marshall over and over again. So it- it's a recipe for disaster. If the Redskins know where the ball is going every single time Mitch drops back. And if Mitch locks up uh, on a guy, he's got to stop doing that. He's got to start looking off the the DBs, looking off safeties and, and throwing to the, uh, to the to the second read or or something like that. He's got to do a better job uh, there. So defensively, keep doing what you're doing. See if you can't crank out. Uh, see if you can't get Case Keenum to to give us his first interception 
uh, of the year. Uh, he has been very good so far uh, this season, but he's also got some garbage time stats uh, in there uh, as well. So, I mean, as you heard Ian Cummings saying, you know, his stats look good, but they're not as good as they read. So hopefully we can get after uh, Case Keenum. He can serve up an interception or two, or we can just get after him and, and sack him about five or six times uh, on Monday and, and just make it a non-issue uh, as well. So, um, you know, defensively, the only thing that I would ask for is to, uh, to, to generate some turnovers, put the ball back in our offense's hands. If nothing else, defense, let's get the ball back and force these guys to get themselves into a rhythm. Let's keep getting the ball back to them so they have no choice but to get it right eventually. You know what I mean? So uh, that's kind of what I'm, uh, I'm looking for uh, on Monday. Hopefully the knee-jerk reactions will be happier ones because we're, we've got a lead and we're, we're building on it, we're protecting it, and it's, a, it's good enough for us to get our second win to go back home to Soldier Field for a big division game against the, uh, against the Minnesota Vikings next Sunday. But I think that's going to do it, guys, for the Week 3 preview of the Bears Talk Underground. Come back on Tuesday. I will actually be doing somewhat of a knee-jerk reaction show on Monday night just so I can stay on schedule. So Tuesday morning's episode will be me reviewing the show moments after uh, it ends. We will still have knee-jerk reactions and all that fun, uh, so be sure to look for the episode dropping first thing uh, Tuesday morning for all of my overseas. Uh, probably early, late morning, early afternoon is probably when it would show up uh, for you guys so uh, be on the lookout Tuesday I'll, I won't make you wait until Wednesday for it I will get it done when the game is over uh, on Monday night so uh, anyway come on back then enjoy the rest of your weekend figure out what you're going to do on Sunday when the Bears aren't playing and uh, you know again I feel sorry for you guys over oh, across the pond the Bears not playing until 7 30 here uh, in the Midwest which would be like one in the morning two in the morning overseas that's got to suck. That's real dedication, though. So we appreciate you guys, uh, you know, be out there supporting the, the Bears at 2 in the morning on Tuesday. And, and everything is probably like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning before the game is over. You guys are watching it live. You're all insane. But uh, just think, you know, in a couple of weeks, they'll be coming to you. So that should be fun, right? But uh, anyway, that's going to do it. I'm going to go and get out of here. We come back on Tuesday. For the week three review episode of this Bears Redskins matchup. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been Bears Talk Underground.